When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Matt D'Elia is Confused. This is Matt D'Elia uh, and we're back to having guests, having a guest. Uh, my last episode, episode 10, was the first solo episode and I asked you guys um, what you thought of it uh, and because it was different and what you thought of me doing that one every once every 10 episodes, uh, the feedback was really good. You guys seem to like me just fucking talking about stuff. Uh, that episode was stuff that makes me mad mainly. Uh, stuff does other things to me too, though. It doesn't only make me mad. Um, and so solo episodes are going to venture into other shit too. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you guys dug it and you dug it so much. Some of you suggested that I do it one uh, or more often, and I was thinking about maybe doing it once every five or maybe just not even having a fucking system for it, just doing a solo one whenever uh, a solo one feels necessary. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, my that's that's that, and I'm done talking about that for now because this is not a solo episode. This uh, is a great episode, though, because of my guest. Her name is Juliana McCarthy, and she is an expert in astrology. She, and we talk about this actually on the, um, uh, in the episode, but her book, uh, she has a best-selling book on the subject. Um, uh, it's called The Stars Within You. And uh, I did not read it, but I want to now because uh, talking to her was so fascinating. Astrology is I would I would normally say something that I've I I specifically don't believe in, but it actually was one it was a, it's a system of of thinking uh, or belief system I guess you could call it. Although Juliana does not call it that, but it's it's something actually that I don't really or didn't before I spoke to Juliana know anything about. So I kind of came to this uh, uh, much more sort of much less grounded in what I already thought than I do most uh, systems of belief. Like, for instance, when I had Bob Larson on and uh, we talked about demons and shit, um, I kind of knew that that was just utter horse shit. But I was still fucking interested. Uh, this, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not like a believer in astrology, but I came to this sort of... Uh, knowing much less about it. And she turned out to be the perfect uh, person to have on because it's something I've always been kind of confused by and fascinated by and just sort of interested in, but never really understood. Uh, but now I do. And now you guys get to know more about it too because you're about to listen to my conversation with Juliana McCarthy. And... It's fucking cool. We get into a lot of uh, stuff uh, and branch off of the subject uh, into a lot of cool places. So, yeah. Uh, I hope you guys dig it. Uh, this is episode 11, and this is my conversation with Juliana McCarthy about astrology. Okay. Hi, Juliana. It's Matt. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm great. This is the first time I've had a guest call me to start. So, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, it's a good way to kick things off. Um, <laughs> thank you for making time, Juliana McCarthy, for to be a guest on Matt Delia is Confused. I really appreciate your time. Okay, so first off, I think it's fitting that 
today is your birthday because <laughs> that's the extent of which I basically, that's basically all I know as an endpoint to start talking about this stuff. So um, if you just want to give me a brief rundown of you in your own words before we even get into any of that stuff, um, let's do that first and then we can jump in. Okay, great. Well, like who I am and what I do. Yeah, like how you arrived at, at this, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, yeah, I mean, I was a scientifically minded person, you know, mm -hmm. as a as a child. And I even studied physics my first year of college. And I was also, you know, sensitive and, um, you know, felt energies and, and had a big mind. Like I was always thinking about the nature of reality and mm -hmm. I loved physics because that was like the closest I came in terms of my education that was pointing to, you know, the nature of reality or some semblance of actual truth, right. you know? And I was, I guess I was a, a seeker even as a kid. And, um, and then uh, suddenly I was on a job and somebody had an astrology book and I started to read it and I was just for fun looking up what my planets and their signs and what they meant. Mm -hmm. And I was really like blown away by how much it was pegging me, mm. you know, it was like, how is this so freaking accurate, right, right, you right. know? And it wasn't general. It was like very specific, mm. you know, it wasn't saying like, Oh yeah, well you're, you're like the beach and right, you know? right, right, yeah. it was like, no, your sexuality is like this and your emotional nature is like this and they're different, right. you know? And it was just so ridiculous how right. accurate it was. And so as a scientifically minded person, I started trying to disprove it to myself, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. trying to find the loophole or like figure out what like, you know, scientifically materialistic thing could describe this mystery, you know? Yeah. And, but the more I studied it and tried to find the loophole, the more I accurate it became, you know? Yeah. And then I started reading friends charts, you know, and people started asking me to read their charts because everyone wants to like learn about themselves. And so the, I started knowing things I couldn't possibly know, right, you know about, right, right. about people, like even to the extent of like talking about the death of someone's mother and it had just happened like two weeks prior and then they're crying. And I was like, Oh shit. This is like eerie and powerful, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's how I started. I was a teenager when all that was going down. Oh, so, okay, yeah. So you, yeah. you got into this young then. It, this 20, 20 years ago, yeah. I'm, wow. It's my 38th birthday today. Well, uh, happy birthday. Um, Thanks. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, the secret thing I can, I can totally relate to, and I think that that's sort of like a common in point. It makes me think of just like when I was young, when I was a kid, I was raised Catholic, uh, which my audience has heard me talk about a lot. So I apologize in advance, but I, I was raised Catholic and I, I distinctly remember at so many different points of my time as a kid, just thinking like, is this possibly at all accurate? What is this stuff? And then uh, from that, I would think, well, this is bullshit. I can't possibly believe in this. And I, and then I started looking at other religions and other belief systems. And that's kind of how I arrived at, being fascinated by just broadly speaking, different kind of systems of figuring out where, who, what we are in this world, where we're going, why we're here, all those bigger questions, you know, I'm fascinated by those who, who ask those questions as well, more than I am in any particular system. But, but yeah. this, you coming at it from a scientific background is actually really interesting to me because I, I my experience of it, which is, I'd be the first one to say extremely limited is that is just like in the, in the back of some kind of like, you know, magazine or something. And it just has like a horoscope thing. And it's like, this is what's going to, this is what's in the cards for you in the month ahead. And, and, and unlike what you were saying before, it, it does strike me as like a vague thing that you can sort of map yourself onto if you want to believe it or not. But I'm assuming, tell me if I'm wrong from where you're standing, there, there has to be some kind of like, there's got to be like the cheap version of what you're doing, right? Yes. Right. Okay. There very yeah. much is. Yeah. No. And that's a common misconception about astrology because 
a, a lot of people only know their sun sign and they right. only know astrology as much as it's in the back of magazines saying like, this is, yeah, right. very general broad stuff, right. you know? Um, but it's so much more than that. We don't just have a sun sign. We have a moon sign. We have a Mercury. We have a Venus. We have a Pluto. You know, it's mm -hmm. like when you really get into the science of astrology and the art of astrology, it's uh, it's a system or, you know, that's a logical scientific system of myth and archetype that correlates with the planetary positions in mm -hmm. relation to Earth, you know? Right. So when you're looking at a natal chart or your birth chart, you know, to understand who a person is, mm -hmm. you're you're looking at where are the planets at the moment of your first breath in relation to Earth and what we call the zodiac wheel. Mm -hmm. And the and the zodiac wheel is different than what people think as well because a lot of people try to debunk astrology by saying well the constellations are moving and right. you know astrology doesn't account for that. And it's like, well, it was never an exact you know, it never exactly lined up. It starts at the position of the spring equinox, which is zero degrees Aries, you know, okay. and then the zodiac wheel goes in 30 degree increments from there, you know, in, in to make up this 360 degree zodiac wheel. Mm. Uh, so it, it's not, it, it never lined up exactly with the constellations, if that makes sense. It just goes in the order of the constellations. Right. Okay. So th that, that actually, the thing you said about first breath, I, the one question that I actually think about the most just when I, when my head gets going in this direction is what is like, okay, what is the significance of first breath versus, I guess, as like a counterpoint, like the moment of conception? Is it like, I, I've always wondered like, why am I a Libra? And then right. like whatever sign that was like nine months before when I actually was like the moment of the moment first moment right yeah oh yeah i mean most people don't know the exact moment they were conceived right, you know right and so but if you did you know we could we could look at the chart for the moment of conception ah. you know and that would say something else about you as a soul right you right, know right. but i don't know anyone who knows the exact moment of their yeah. conception yeah that would be a trip if people started learning about that that would that would definitely change the world um <laughs> uh yeah okay so yeah, I, I, if you had to say, speaking of just like the cheap sort of version of what you do, what is what would you say is like the the primary sort of like misconception of it? Um, if you had to say, yeah, well, that it's um, that it's just entertainment based mm. nonsense, you know, or that we are we can be reduced into cliches or stereotypes right. you know yeah uh that we're simplistic you know mm. or that we're static you know that it's fatalistic or it's you know entertainment-based bullshit right or, right right you know um there yeah there are all sorts of ways astrology can go wrong you know? sure yeah do you, do you find that as someone who does so intensely work in it and take it seriously do you does that sort of like does it bother you? Like seeing the cheap version out in the world and the way people are reacting to it. I don't want to say it's like giving it a bad name, but it's, it's framing it in like a certain way uh, yeah. for most people. And I don't think most people see your version. The people that seek it out find you. And then it's like, it can envelop into like a larger sort of thing and a deeper thing that it is. But the, do you sort of like run into that a lot as like people guessing what you're about based on the little that they do know yeah well it used to be that way more mm. you know um, but astrology has become so wildly popular in a deeper way yeah. you know in recent times and millennials who have pluto and scorpio they're the pluto and scorpio generation i'm not sure what year you were born but you might be one i was, I was uh, 83 does that make me that uh, you're right at the cusp. I'd have to look it up. I can't ah. remember off the top of my head. I can look it up actually. No, yeah. But, uh, but the Pluto Scorpio generation, 
uh, I call the Harry Potter and Fifty Shades of Grey generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're, they grew up with Harry Potter. So, and Pluto rules Scorpio. So it's all about going into the underworld, confrontation, mm. death and rebirth. You know, like how do we confront everything we know as reality, destroy it and rebirth it, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. And it's also mysticism and sexuality and power and abuse of power and things like that. So, uh, you know, they came of age with Harry Potter and mysticism is really natural for them, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's interesting. And it's, yeah, yeah the reconditioning isn't needed on the same mass scale level as like, you know, Gen Xers or boomers, you know? That's really interesting. Yeah. You know, I actually saw a Pew study and it was something about <clears throat> the, the conclusion. It was about belief systems that Americans have, hold. And I think most, I think it's that most Americans still identify as Christian, but the, the, the thing that, that has spiked the most is belief in sort of like, I think what they were calling them like new age belief systems. But what I found interesting about it, it was like 30% of people say they, they um, subscribe to astrology or believe in it in some way. And there's actually a lot of crossover with people who identify as Christian. Is it, is it, uh. is it like not, is it, is it compatible in, in that way? Like, can you have that kind of belief system, foundational belief system, like like a classic sort of Abrahamic religion and yeah. also subscribe to this stuff? Yes? Totally. You can bring any belief system you want to astrology. It's not a belief system, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you, you bring your belief system to the interpretation, huh. you know? And so I'm a, I, like, my background is Buddhist. I don't consider myself a Buddhist any longer, but uh -huh. that's my training. I lived quasi monastically. I, you know, I was, I went deep into Vajrayana Buddhist practices. And so that tends to be the way I see the world. That's my worldview. I bring that to my interpretation. I if see. that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Christians think that astrology is demonic, you know? Right. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> but what, yeah. That, yeah. But that goes back to like the, propaganda of the catholic church when they were trying to eliminate all the ways that we directly connected to the divine to give them more of this deep patriarchal hierarchical power you yeah. know and so they started the whole propaganda of witches and were burning women alive and some people say it was even millions of women who were killed during this time yeah. you know yeah. and so and it was astrologers and doulas and widows and spinsters and healers and you know they were all and pagans you know yeah were all kind of demonized and killed systematically and so that's that's the origin of this demon demonizing astrology in the christian context speaking of the history of it is it as far as i know it's got like an incredibly long i mean i don't know much but doesn't it go like way further than say Christianity into history, right? I mean, it goes deep, yes. right? Yeah, it so, goes beyond Christianity. Yeah. So, what is do you are, what do you know like the broad general history of it of of the yeah. Okay. I do. I mean, I I wrote it about it in the intro of my book. Oh, you cool. know, And so, yeah. So it's if if anyone's listening and wants to go deeper, you can look there. Um, and, uh, it's, but, it's the stars within you is the name of the book, yeah, right? Yeah. The stars within you: a modern guide to astrology. And yeah, so basically it's in the fourth century BC, mm. um, you know, the Babylonians were practicing astrology and initially they were using it to predict the seasons and the weather. And it wasn't till later that it became a form of celestial divination. Hmm. And so then after the Alexandrian conquest of Egypt around the late second, early first century BC, um, the Egyptian Deconic astrology and the Babylonian astrology merged. Mm. And that became known as Hellenistic astrology. Oh, which yeah, was okay. Yeah, and that was horoscopic and included the Ascendant and the 12 celestial houses, which we still use today. So that was really the beginning of, like, you know, the astrology we're still using today. That was a long time ago. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's been with us for a long time. Um, yeah, and who knows? I mean, there's a lot about ancient egypt and you know ancient cultures that we don't even know right. so who knows what was happening with ancient egyptian astrology but that's sort of the beginning of the history that we know about right and the 12 houses are there when i am looking at that back page in that magazine that i'm seeing this cheap version of this stuff in there are tw is it there are 12 
Sun- there are 12 signs okay, and yeah. also 12 houses. Oh. Um, so once you get into like, you know, non-entertainment based, non-magazine yeah. based astrology, you know, mm-hmm. you're looking at some basic ingredients. And one is the signs. That's the main thing, which is Aries, Libra, etc. Mm-hmm. And then the second is uh, the houses you know, which is this other thing. The houses are what we call the what. So it's like which areas of life are we um, orienting these energies toward, right? So mm-hmm. the the planet is this basic essence, right? And then the sign that the planet falls into is the style that this basic essence is expressing itself. And then the house is which area of life we're expressing this energy into primarily, Okay. Mm, okay. So it's planets, signs, houses, and then angles or aspects. So the aspects or angles between each of the planets also reveal something. Like how do these energies relate to one another in our essence, you know, and okay. in our personality or in our lives, you know, or if we're looking at mundane astrology, which is the astrology of the collective, like what's happening in the world, right. you know, you at, at any given moment, you can look at where the planets are in relation to earth and then read them the same way, you know, planets, signs, houses, etc. Right, right. Just going backwards a little bit. So I'm curious, like when, when you started to get into this, you and you're realize and you're understanding that it it's interesting to you and you're trying to disprove it but at what point did you realize that this was something like at what point and i guess how did you realize that it was it was something that like you were i don't want to say good at but like that you that this not only spoke to you but that it in a way like spoke through you and you became someone that could sort of bring it to people in that, in that way. If that, does that make sense? Like you said, you were reading yeah, yeah. your friend's charts and all that stuff. Like how, what is that process of you it coming to you that you have this, I guess you could call it a gift for, for this. Like, how does that, how does that happen? Yeah. Well, it happened in stages, but I remember early on looking at an astrology chart and recognizing that it was an energy map. And I, and I wasn't a new ager in the slightest, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but that was like the language that just was popping in or that I was interpreting it with and feeling this past life connection to it, you know? And I, that wasn't, that wasn't part of my belief system at that time was thinking of past lives. Um, but I had that kind of deep, understanding or knowing that didn't, you know, intellectually necessarily make sense. And then, you know, it was like, I had friends calling me every day, you know, Mm. asking me to look at their chart, their crushes chart, their partner's chart. And when I went to college, I I lived on campus the first year, Sarah Lawrence. And I had like, you know, a line of people like wanting to. Wow. You're like the Oracle down the hall. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, wow, because I was like shy, you know, right. I was pretty, I mean, I was like punk, but also really shy and nerdy, you know, right. and was, didn't have like great people skills, you know, <laughs> and it, suddenly this was like this opening, you know, this was like a way of connecting with people and understanding people. I wasn't doing it for that. I was doing it literally because I didn't understand people, you know, and I wanted to, and I didn't understand human complexity, even in myself. And I wanted to, and this was like this perfectly beautiful, logical system that explained our human complexity, you Mm -hmm. know? And I was fascinated by it. I also am like a storyteller. I love storytelling and astrology is like systemized story telling right yeah 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 uh so it helped me connect with people and understand people in a way where i felt comfortable relating to them and knowing how to because i understood oh just because they seem this way at first appearance you Mm -hmm. know they're actually quite warm underneath that or you know this is just the way they work with their emotions it's not personal if they're being cold or right you know yeah that's interesting so so it's sort of like creating a lens through which you're viewing human complexity in a way that 
gives you something to hold on to, lets you lets it make more sense in a way than just this scramble of randomness. Yeah, which is I yeah. think yeah, a constant totally. struggle. More yeah. sense and more objective compassion too, right? Yeah. For ourselves and for other people. You know, like right. I remember Pema Chodron, the Buddhist nun, told this story about being in retreat and there was the sound of a radiator hissing and it wouldn't stop. And after the meditation session, the person to her left was like, thought it was a person making that noise and was like, oh my God, that was so annoying. I mm. couldn't meditate at all. You know, right. I wanted to tell that person to shut up. And the person to her right was in total equanimity and was like, oh, I thought it was the radiator. And I was in total bliss, you know? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and I feel like for me, astrology gives us that kind of objective compassion where when we see that there are certain aspects of ourselves, you know, certain traits, certain characteristics, certain styles of expression that are just innately us, right. you know, we're less likely to be annoyed by ourselves or the person we just accept that this is part of our expression you know yeah so in that way it almost is like allowing for i mean many things but it's allowing for forgiveness and understanding by accepting that we are just what we are in in some ways we kind of have these natural tendencies that we are not wholly responsible for yeah, yeah. Yeah. So instead of saying to somebody, I need you to be this way, you know, right, yeah. which doesn't work. It's yeah. more like, okay, I accept you as who you are and let's find our middle ground or let's fire, find our way into connection. You know? Yeah. That's really interesting. I, you said something um, a couple of minutes ago that uh, jumped out at me. I, the Okay. So yeah, actually in that Pew study, the, the three things that they were um, polling for was belief in astrology, belief in, I think it, they were just labeling it like belief in psych, psychics broadly. And then there were also be, uh, belief in uh, past lives. Is, uh, is, is, is past, is our past lives a part of astrology? Like, is that all sort of intertwined? In a way, yeah. I mean, you don't have to believe in past lives to work with astrology at all. Mm -hmm. But um, but there is a point in the chart that indicates our past life karma and what we've come in with this lifetime that we're still working to resolve. You know. But right. what I tell what I tell clients is like, you know, you can relate to this literally or metaphorically. You know, um, you can literally think of this as past lives that you know where you. Uh, repeatedly encountered this karmic scenario that you struggled with and still haven't resolved, or you can just think of it as, well, you came in this lifetime and you're working through this, you know, this karma or this particular uh, kind of struggle that you haven't concluded or that you haven't resolved. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 th and also I mean, I guess there's, cause when I start to think of like psychics, I think of like being taken for a ride, you know what I mean? Like that's just kind right. of where my head goes, but I don't, again, I think that's like this version of it. That's like the low hanging fruit. You can be, you can sort of like capitalize on the seekers that we're talking about being, you know, if you don't have enough discernment, uh, about who's doing what you can really be taken advantage of by sure. quote unquote proponents of the system. Uh, but I think that that is sort of, and I think for, for someone like you, that, that sort of like preventing possible newcomers from, from, from approaching and sort of folding this, this stuff into their own thoughts. Oh yeah. Well, there's so much to say about that, right? Because yeah. first of all, you know, they're bullshit, everything, you right. know, like yeah. there's bullshit politicians, totally. bullshit, you know, car repairmen and, you know, yeah. bu bullshit, everybody. They're even bullshit scientists who yeah. like, totally. you know, are working for pharmaceutical companies mm -hmm. or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they're bullshit psychics and they're real psychics and and they're bullshit astrologers and they're real astrologers. You know, it's like they're, it's, they're bullshit psychologists, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so, it's um, our conditioning 
you know, in this current paradigm to really like poo poo anything that we cannot prove, yeah. you know, via the scientific materialism, you know, and with our puny human minds and the three dimensions of space and one dimension of time. Right. Okay. That's not even scientific. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like we already know there are more dimensions than three dimensions of space and one dimension of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if we only believe what we can measure with our human limitations, you know, then we're severely arrogant, A, and yeah. severely limiting ourselves, B, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to wake up in that world, right. yeah. you know? Yeah. I forget it. What's the point of living, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. There is a weird thing, I think, with, I think it's almost like a, there's almost like a religious way of being a person of science. And I think that it can mm-hmm. get in the way of sort of open-mindedness because because i think if you just take i mean i'm i would consider myself a person of science but i think in in many arenas you kind of have to untether yourself from that because there's only so much available science that has been proven so it's like you can be a person of science but that also opens up all the things that might be true that could be true that seem like bullshit but might not be or seem true and are total bullshit you know and so i I think that it's just sort of I, i run into this as well it's like this weird it's almost like a laziness i was just thinking about this actually there's like this laziness on the part of people who lean on this um science well that's that's not science i mean that might be true but the only thing that's science is science everything else is open to possibility uh and 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 exploring and i and i think that you can really sort of just like anything else like it can subscribing so hard and so blindly to something can sort of put well blinders on to other things that might not necessarily be true, but at least need to be looked at or explored. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, and all the greatest scientists that we revere had crazy ideas that everyone laughed at, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, like the world is round or, Mm -hmm. you know, gravity, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, So, yeah, I think imagination and mysticism aren't necessarily separate from science as we've all kind of come to believe and that you know it began at the beginning of the age of enlightenment Mm -hmm. when uh we figured out that we were heliocentric you know Mm -hmm. and that like started debunking a lot of our mystical beliefs you know and so people i think i imagine at the time you're like oh my god my whole belief system was just completely blown up you know, right, yeah. and then this sort of like cynicism or skepticism may have taken hold, you know, where it's like, then it became the fashion to really cling to science as the barometer of truth. Um, right. But a lot of mysticism like fell by the wayside or started getting laughed at at that point, which makes sense, sure, you know, yeah. and I think it was like an important stage in evolution, right. you know, uh, but, uh, you know, we also lost a lot in that process that is now coming back, I would say, you know, mysticism and astrology and understanding that we're not just limited to what we can measure, but we can approach it in a way that isn't necessarily as harmful as just blind faith or something like that. Like we can still apply our cynicism, skepticism, or at least testing things out for ourselves before we just like believe it, you know? Yeah. And that's like, by the way, the generation after the millennials is the Pluto and Sagittarius generation. And that's their whole purpose is just questioning our belief systems, questioning organized religion, you know, Um, and sort of exploding all these crazy, rigid fundamentalist beliefs that we have, whether it's like flat earthing or, you know, Christianity or, you know, nothing is real unless I can measure it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that kind of rigidity, I think is that, that we've had as humans, uh, with us forever, uh, these sort of belief systems that were sort of local. And then obviously as things everywhere from the, from, from the Roman empire on these belief systems sort of started to travel across the globe. And the natural progression was, well, now to have any kind of rigid belief system, the world is so connected and on top of itself, it's almost impossible 
to honestly hold any kind of rigid, classically religious and rigid belief system in the face of what we can just open our computers and see every single day. And I'm, yeah. I'm curious if you think that that has anything to do with this sort of this sort of forcing everyone to confront the fact that the world doesn't revolve around them, you know? Right. And, and, and I, I'm curious if you think that you, you mentioned just now that it's sort of, there's this kind of reemergence, uh, uh, post enlightenment, uh, in the digital age now of this kind this kind of even older belief systems, like you're saying astrology and things like this or, or non-belief systems, but modes of interpreting the world. Do you, do you think that that's, kind of responsible possibly for, for what you call the, the sort of reemergence or, or comeback of this kind of thing? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like that's why I think astrology is so wildly popular right now. It's like the world doesn't make sense right now, you know, yeah. like so much crazy shit is happening that just doesn't match like what, you know, we knew to be true yeah. prior to this period of time. And it's like, I mean, mythology is is like fundamental to being human because it gives us this arc of meaning and apparently random events you know yes. and i think in a way our minds need mythology you know or we might go crazy or like fall into nihilistic despair or something you know right, yeah yeah it's true and yeah so it's it's like okay a, a this is like questioning all that you know to be true and how can we come together you know and hold each other's hands through this process of like being thrown into the uh chaotic waves of non-belief you know right yeah. and sort of redevise a collective reality together that may be kinder that may be less rigid that may be more loving you know yeah um that may where we might relate to God as love, you know, instead of a man with a beard in the sky. And if you don't see it that way, we're going to kill you, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. like that, that sounds better to me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting to think about it. Uh, uh, this sort of like rules or this sort of archetypal mythology, all these different versions of it having sprouted up before the world was so connected. I mean, to me, that's just like, it might not be scientific proof, but it's such a clear deduction of what you're saying, which is that humans kind of need this kind of, I mean, maybe for lack of a better word, containment to their minds, you know, this, yeah. this chaos that, that now is so readily, uh, accessed or tapped into or, or understood the randomness that you were taught, the randomness that you were talking about yeah. before. I think, I think it, 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 exacerbates this need uh uh while also dis destroying the kind of belief systems that we that were possible to have before we could just you know open the internet and see that any kind of religious belief system isn't the only one to have and certain ways of thinking about the world aren't the only ones to have there's so many out there and almost too many and it requires this sort of inward like uh what the fuck is going on and, yeah. and i think what you're talking about is sort of a broader more sort of you uniting uh foundation as opposed to these specific and and narrow ways of looking at the world you know a bearded man in the sky or whatever it is uh yeah good and versus yeah, evil yeah yeah, I think that's why astrology is so popular because in a way it's this egalitarian tool, you know, for understanding ourselves in the universe. You can come at it with any belief system. It's not, it's non-dogmatic, right. you know, and A, and B, you know, I think it's interesting what you're saying. And, and I think a lot of people do have these genuine direct spiritual experiences, right? Yeah. Or even, you know, near-death experiences or something like that. And they're like, well, I went into this realm and there were angels and yeah. there were this, you know? And But then someone from a different religious background sees it differently, yeah. you know? And then there's, like, fighting because it's like, no, I had this direct experience, yeah. you know? But it's like, well, you guys, you know, you're coming back and talking about it from a human brain perspective, right? right? And so there's an automatically going to be this metaphor, you know, for the energies you're experiencing that are beyond kind of containment in the three-dimensional, you know, 
space and one dimensional time reality that we're inhabiting. Right. And so if, if you let go of fighting about the metaphors and just go into that non-conceptual energy experience, we're all in the same boat, you know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think of it that way. I mean, the, the kinds of things that lead people, I mean, you think about something like the crusades or whatever the fuck people to kill on behalf of their belief system. It's their like metaphors it, for energy. basically. Yeah. And they're the same belief systems that of the people that you're killing basically it's the same thing it's the same need that makes you attached to it so much so as to kill someone else over it you know and it's like oh my god yeah and we're doing that with politics now you know yeah it's true yeah yeah i well i think that the it's interesting that you bring that up because i i think that as it's as it becomes harder and harder to sort of um actually with a straight face believe in these sort of classic older ways of of looking at the world i.e religion uh christianity and 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 everything like that i think that now as that becomes harder to actually subscribe to i think it's like it's almost been like we've been as like a culture like funneled towards politics and that's now where this sort of fundamentalism has been placed instead of saying well wait that fundamentalist kind of thinking is actually what's the problem in the first place. So let's talk about that. It sort of just shifts into something else. And I've seen that shift from religion into politics. Almost, it seems almost, at least in my, to my eye, uh, to be like almost aligned with the emergence of, of the internet. And that, I think that makes sense because it's like, as we're facing the impossibility of these belief systems being true, the the home for this fundamentalist rigid way of thinking this rules based way of thinking uh goes away and then you're kind of like uh ideologically homeless and then you need to find this other ideology and i think right. politics now is so in your face and it's such a divisive arena that like that's almost the new religion you know yeah, I mean, there's so much to say about that, but yeah, there's there's yeah. that, and and there are people who are projecting their religious beliefs onto you know Donald Trump, like he's yeah. the chosen one, or whatever. that's true. Yeah, that's almost that's the bigger trip. Yeah, I mean that shit yeah. is just like, can you just stop? Like, it just <laughs> at what point does the bow break on that? You know, like how yeah. far can you push it? I know it's uh, yeah. so true, yeah. and I that th- I think you know if you look at it astrologically, because it's crazy if you look at the history of humanity and then you know the outer planetary movements. Like everything lines up exactly, hmm. you know, the, the history of humanity and the planetary transits is nuts. And if you think about it, right now we're actually getting ready to begin a whole new age in humanity next year. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Tell me so, about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Pluto moves in 248 year cycles. Saturn moves in 29 and a half year cycles. Okay. Jupiter Jupiter moves in 12 year cycles, you know, mm-hmm. around the, around the sun. And so we are now at a moment when Jupiter, Saturn and Pluto are about to line up in Capricorn, you know, for the first time in 2200 years. Whoa. Yeah. And the last time even just Saturn and Pluto lined up in Capricorn was 500 years ago uh, during the Protestant Reformation when Martin gonna, Luther yeah. tapped up, yeah, yeah, the, you know, those, whatever, the Protestant Reformation. Uh, and so it's it was a major shift yeah. in the collective. And so now we're about to have this major, major shift in the collective. And I think we're all feeling it. Yeah, and, that's definitely evident, I think, yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of like everything has to fall apart in order to come back together. It's like the chaos of birth or the pain of birth, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're in this period of like deep karmic purification. And and even for the past six months, we've had this south node, which is that that past life point I was talking about, which Mm -hmm. is also like the karma we need to unravel from the past. Okay. Uh, And Saturn and Pluto have been circling around each other since March. And we've been doing this deep collective work around like actually looking at things like race and gender and misogyny and the histories of things and indigenous peoples and colonialism. Like we're actually doing this collective work together, you know? Right, yeah. And 
And that's like, and now we're about to move into this new age in humanity, which coincides with moving into the Aquarian age, which has to do with where the vernal equinox is pointing that point. So we've been in the Piscean age for the last 2000 years, basically since the birth of Christ and Mm. Pisces is the age it's waiting for the savior, Mm. you know, Pisces is a symbol of it's symbolized by the fish, which also symbolizes Christianity, you know? Right. And and now we're moving into the Aquarian age, which is about egalitarianism and how do we create enlightened society? And so it's interesting because it's like, you know, Trump has been the great awakener. It's in his chart. He was born within a couple hours of a lunar eclipse and his life path is his North Node conjunct Uranus and the sun. So to be the great disruptor, the great awakener is his life path to bring chaos, you know? Yeah, he's already doing Uh, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he like kind of extracted the whole underbelly of society and everything that's standing in the way of egalitarianism, you know? That's interesting, yeah. So that's, I mean, if you look at it astrologically, that's what's happening. You know, it's like everything is falling apart. All of our beliefs are being questioned. You know, we're having to go into this no man's land of like, what does reality even mean? Yeah. Uh, So that we can redefine it together, you know, and hopefully bring in a better paradigm where we're relating to the earth better, where capitalism isn't ruining everything, where, you know, you have the right to have your basic needs met just because you breathe, you know, and there isn't this like constant unnecessary struggle and competition and, you know, stabbing each other in the back, you know, that's, that's super interesting. What the idea of history, human history on on earth that, uh, that like is a literal representation or manifestation of human activity aligning with this kind of thing is super interesting to me. Can you talk a little bit more about that just like historically? Yeah. I mean, it's undeniable. It's so fascinating. But even um, like I was writing about Pluto and Leo in my book and I was doing historical research and, you know, Pluto and Leo is when McCarthyism happened in our country. Okay. And, and, you know, Leo can be the sort of, and Pluto is like power and abuse of power and Leo is like the king. So it's like power gone awry, you know, um, or abuse of power. Uh And I was like, I wonder when the Salem witch trials happened because it was so similar. Yeah. And I looked and Pluto was in the exact same place, you know? Right. And so things like that, but then bigger things like the, uh, World War One started with a Pluto Saturn conjunction. World War Two started with a Pluto Saturn square. You know, um, the '60s Cultural Revolution was a Pluto Saturn opposition. You know, uh-huh. um, so it's like everything exactly lines up. You know, Uranus and Taurus is what's happening right now. It just started this year, and it's all about revolutionizing food and agriculture uh, and the economy and money and coming up with revolutionizing new way, revolutionary new ways of relating to the earth and to money okay yeah and so i see like we might see a big recession and we might have to like completely revamp i mean it seems obvious we have to revamp the way that we're working with money we're also ending what's called a synod which is the saturn pluto cycle that began in 1982 um which was the beginning of reaganomics you know yeah yeah and so I see Reaganomics actually coming to an end right now, you know? Yeah. Um, but the last time Uranus was in Taurus, uh, it was right after the Great Depression. And that's when the FDIC was established and all these sort of revolutionary things happened in our country around money. Um, and then the mo- more recent examples uh, are during the Great American Eclipse, which was August of 2017. Mm-hmm. We Pluto, which is we've heard about now is like the you know the planet of abuse and of power the king of the underworld raped and abducted persephone you know Mm -hmm. was in opposition to ceres and ceres is a dwarf planet she used to be an asteroid and she's been upgraded to a dwarf planet pluto used to be a planet he's been downgraded to a dwarf planet you know So right after these new categorizations, they're exactly opposite each other during this massive uh, astrological event, you know, that some people say is bringing in the Aquarian age technically, okay? Okay. Um, Which is different from the new paradigm that's beginning next year. So all of a sudden, Ceres, who in mythology is Persephone's mother, is 
taking down Pluto, Persephone's rapist and abductor, during this paradise, like this huge new age in humanity and this this great American eclipse. And then let like a month and a half later, Jupiter, the great expander, the magnifying lens, moves into Scorpio, Pluto's domain. And it it's suddenly bringing to the surface the underbelly of humanity and issues around sexuality, power, and abuse of power. Five days later, the Me Too movement begins. Damn. Yeah. And then Ceres starts circling the North Node, saying this is the way forward. She's the goddess of human rights, the protector of the Earth, and the protector of the feminine. And when Saturn and Pluto form their initial exact conjunction, January 11th of 2020, Ceres is exactly conjunct as well. So that's one example. Yeah, that's incredibly like, I've actually, I mean, this is not surprising considering how little I've really come to know about this stuff, but it's interesting to hear you talk so specifically about things. Yeah, well, I have, I'll give you another couple of examples, but yeah, yeah, Uranus, which is the planet of chaos, sudden disruption, you know, and, and something happening out of nowhere. Uh, when Uranus moved into Aries, which is accidents and like, you know, something happening all of a sudden and violence that day, Fukushima happened and it only happens every 85 years, you know, so it's a very exact movement. And then it retrograded out of Aries and then came back. And the week it came back was the week the California fires erupted last fall. And the same week that we had, you know, the elections in the U.S. where there was, you know, all these women were suddenly in office, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was this huge moment yet yet again, you know, and then it went back into Taurus, you know, earlier this year. And that was the week the super bloom occurred. And Taurus is symbolized by Persephone emerging from the underworld, taming the wild bull and setting the flowers in bloom. Hmm. And wow. so the week Uranus moves into Taurus, there is this massive super bloom. So I have a question. So, 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 okay. All this stuff, when someone, cause I think what I even hear just people saying uh, about stuff like, like that is like, uh, They'll just, it's so, like, it it seems so easy for them to be like, it's a coincidence or whatever, you know? And and they must do that to you, right? I mean, you must encounter that, right? Well, I mean, scientists, like, scientific materialists like to say correlation is not causation. Right, yeah, right, right. And my answer is like, sure, but the correlation is really compelling and helpful. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't need to go deeper than that, you right. know. It's yeah. like you don't have to be interested in these correlations, but I am and I find it really illuminating and helpful. Yeah. You know? What a fucking cool response. Yeah, I love that. That's cool, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I, I don't know what specifically uh why, but I in my mind as you're talking, I keep thinking about um this recent thing I, I was uh they're finally like studying is there any connection to like psychedelic experiences and because you talked earlier about like people having these experiences and they all have, they, they might have like this, they might have this experience with angels or even running into like Christ on the cross and taking psilocybin or something like that. Is, is, is there any like mode of thinking where like that there's some sort of connection because you talk about other dimensions and things like this and i know i'm going out on a limb by even guessing this so tell me if it's it's a bad guess but like the idea that like um those kinds of experiences and and opening our minds up to other dimensions in that way with psychedelics that is like a way to tap into these kinds of things. Cause I think it's some of the language is kind of similar, you know, like when yeah. I hear about the studies, I, I think kind of, it's just, I don't know. It's just making me think of that when you're, as you're telling me about this stuff. And as far as like people's experience of it or coming to understand it or, or even believe in it, or this sort of like, sometimes they talk about like oneness feeling a part of something much bigger, you know, uh, uh, as a means to even things like, 
stopping addiction or stopping depression, like these, yeah. these, these modes of thinking that are almost opened up to them. Do you see any like connection between those things? Absolutely. At all? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I don't think there's much difference between like spiritual experience, psychedelic experience, astrology, energy healing, like all these modalities are really leading to the same place, you right. know, yeah. which is opening our hearts and our minds beyond you know, the constrictions of belief or, you know, the fear right. of I must cling to these beliefs or I'll die. You know? yeah. Yeah. And the more we open up beyond our rigidity, you know, the more we do experience love and oneness and inspiration and connection, you know, and, uh, and all of these modalities work to do the same thing. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've sat with somebody read their chart and then their tears falling down their faces and they're like you know this is so validating you don't even know me and you know me better than i know myself and it makes me feel like there's some like deep loving profundity you know yeah. in the universe that the stars know who i am and that i have a purpose you know yeah. uh and that i'm connected you know to you to the stars to profundity um and that's a similar to a psychedelic experience, if it, unless it's like a bad experience. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's uh, it's like you know, I think that psychedelics are wonderful personally, and I um, I know that the New York Times did this fascinating piece about how we actually evolved alongside uh, psychedelics, mushrooms, you know. Yeah. And and Santa Claus was a shaman you know, who would visit people and, and go through the chimneys because the snow was so compacted, but in the middle of winter and give them mushrooms, you know, uh, to sort of give them this, this gift and this uh, spiritual experience. And, you know, when they're trapped in their homes in the, in the middle of winter and he had reindeer that he would travel with and he would give them the mushrooms and then take the urine from the reindeer and, and give it to people to drink so they wouldn't have the toxic reaction. Holy shit. Um, That's yeah. interesting. I haven't heard any of that stuff. I only know oh, the yeah. fucking fat, jolly guy that comes down and gives me presents <laughs> because yeah, Jesus was that, born. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's why Rudolph has a red nose. It's that, and, where, and why Santa wears the red and white hat. You know, it looks like the psychedelic mu mushroom. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's fucking cool. Uh, yeah. Look it up on the New York Times. It's really cool. I will. Um, yeah. And, and so we actually, our brains, like we had this massive kind of peak in evolution all of a sudden when we discovered the psychedelic mushrooms, you know, yeah. and, and it was part of our hunting, you know, ritual. Yeah. I've heard like the, the like the stoned yeah. ape theory kind of stuff. Yeah. Like this idea of like, we came down from the trees and then picked up the mushrooms that were on the ground and ate them. And that sort of contributed to like our vast increase in brain size in that one window where humans brains yes. expanded wildly and no one really knows why but yeah i've heard that sort of like aligns with everything you're saying right now yeah. yeah 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 so i mean i just see it as like we have this tool we have this medicine you know we have this like a potential to sort of heal on a deep level with this thing that's totally natural from the earth or some people say it came from outer space but this totally natural thing that can heal depression without the use of pharmaceuticals or you know things with all these terrible side effects and and that we actually evolved to work with we evolved to work alongside like i don't know i think it's a good thing yeah um and i know that there's a lot of pooing around like the huge number of people now doing ayahuasca and how they're relating to it in a kind of capitalistic way and i think that that's terrible yes but right. also you you can't do ayahuasca and not get like some wisdom out of the process you right know? you're still doing ayahuasca right yeah at yeah. the end of the day yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Totally. so i think it's a good thing in, in terms of our collective evolution that people are are more and more willing to sort of heal in this very natural way and open themselves up to other dimensions and to spirituality and this direct experience of that, that these medicines allow, Yeah, you know, yeah. but ho hopefully we go back into our lives and then integrate it properly. Right. Know? Yeah. It's not just for the trip. It's for what it brings you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. what have you read? Th there's this book, uh, called the sacred mushroom and the cross. Do you know this book? 
No, but it sounds amazing. It is amazing, <laughs> and it's this guy. I fucking forget his name. Um, but but he wrote this. He, he he was one of the scholars who was allowed to look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, and oh. and then he he actually developed this theory for which he was sort of shunned by the um by. Well, I mean, no one agreed with him. So he was sort of right. shunned by the scientific community, but also the hi- historians and everybody sort of wrote him off. But the book, it was written in the 70s, and I think it still has legs. And it, it, it's not like it's been proven true, but it, it's only been something that has gained traction, the ideas in the book. And the ideas in the book are that pre-Christianity, we, there were these like local... Um, fertility sort of for lack of a better word i think he uses the term cults but not in the way that we think of it just like these localized religious groups that were sort of unified in the way that they sort of uh operated but they all they all worshiped different gods for different reasons and as you sort of said before a lot of it was based on the weather and these kinds of things and and it and it talks about these fertility cults that his theory is is that the birth of of christianity was sort of the bridge to that were these fertility cults that would do these mushrooms and and have these similar experiences, these similar sort of you could possibly see them as these Christ-like experiences. And the idea was that his idea rather is that these as we started to eat these mushrooms and they didn't really know that it was this other experience. You know, to them it was just another day, and they sort of. As these cults formed, they started to create these avenues where a story like Jesus could be delivered and accepted. And and because the psilocybin was more widespread at this particular time, there was like a softening to being able to believe stories like this about Jesus. Uh And there's all this, I mean, he has these, he shows these, this art uh, from the era that has the mushroom in it, you know, you talking about the Santa hat made me think of it because it's the same thing where it's like, you know, you start to feel like you got like a tinfoil hat on sometimes when you're reading it because he's making all these crazy connections. But he's still, it's still super interesting because some of the shit you're just like, yeah, that's a mushroom, you know, like like that just mm-hmm. is a depiction of a mushroom. And wow, yeah, oh, I'm gonna read it. Yeah. That's really cool. It's super cool, yeah. And it's just, I mean, I love thinking about shit like that. But yeah, I mean. A lot of these ideas, I think, at least to, 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 to what I've come to understand historically, you know, when minds are opened, vast shifts are possible, you know. Vast uh, shifts, yeah. Yeah, and I think that those moments can be rare. But as you're saying, I think that one of those moments, whether by force or by, by sort of natural uh, happenstance, are, are kind of upon us right now. Yeah. I mean, collectively, I mean, isn't that a, it's kind of a miracle, you know, like even just thinking about, I grew up in the eighties and it was like totally different than what it is now. It was like so materialistic and depressing. Even as a kid, I was depressed. Like, this is it, you know, this is the world. (laughs) I share that with you. Yeah. As an eighties, as a growing up, born in the eighties, into the nineties, I was, I was constantly thinking the same kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. And like now, even though crazy shit is happening in the world, and I mean, hopefully you agree that Trump is a monster. You I do. Know, but, For the record, okay. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh my God, I can't believe we're coming back into these times where they're actually like white nationalists and that are growing in power and increasing in, you know, their uh, kind of collective voice being heard and it's like what the fuck is going on but at the same time all these freaking people are having huge awakenings you know and it's like we're in the collective we're talking about things we never used to talk about before you know and i just even listening to this podcast the other day that my friend sent me about this scientist who had a near-death experience and he's a neuro he's a neuroscientist you know and how he and his colleagues are totally open to studying consciousness in these really spiritual ways and that they understand that consciousness is immeasurable you know and that spiritual experiences and these things that previously scientific communities have poo-pooed are actually very real you know yeah yeah it's super interesting. I mean, I think the I think I think the 
the most positive way that I can think of the whole Trump thing without getting into the details, because why the fuck bother at this point? Right. Uh, what is, is. But I, I think the, the, posi- the most positive way th- that I can think about it and, and, you know, sleep at night is like, it's like, it's like, um, it's like a, it's like the, uh, it's like popping a pimple almost. Like it's like that's it's what like, I always say. Yeah, I always yeah. say that too. Yeah, yeah, we have to extract it to the surface. Right, it's got to come up, and that process sucks, and it looks bad, and it feels bad, and it's like genuinely sort of like this like almost gross uh, mm-hmm. thing. But you know, the idea is that it's like at its very worst at the moment, it starts to get better, and 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 then heals or 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 begins to uh reach this sort of like uh equilibrium again and 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 and, and normalize is it is, totally yeah, is the best and way it's, yeah. and it is like kind of the last gasp of ego you know it's like yeah. the last gasp of patriarchy you know before it yeah. dissolves and it's true i mean and it's fair like i just think it's so hopeful actually everything that's happening and it's interesting because it's been feeling so personal to me like Mm. everything that's happening because i grew up with richard spencer you know who's the head of the alt-right and coined the term fuck that guy yeah yeah so we were in a musical together holy shit yeah brigadoon in high school and he was gay and wonderful and kind and listened to depeche mode And I was a dork and he wasn't, and he was nice to me, you know? And then (laughs) uh, his parents sent him to conversion camp. What? Yeah. And that's how he became, that's how he became this fuck face. You know, it's like self-loathing. It's self-loathing turned outward, projected outward, you know? And so I think that spirituality you know, ayahuasca, you know, energy healing, astrology, all these things that lead to these big moments of awareness and um, being seen, you know, and seeing yourself and glimpsing beyond these rigid belief systems, you know, it's like that literally saves the world, you know? That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, fuck. I mean, I'm still reeling from the fact that Richard Spencer is gay and went to conversion therapy. That's fucking. I don't know. That Camp, yeah. makes fucking sense. Yes. Fucking hate that guy. Uh, I, and and I him being so hateful, I guess. Yeah, it's like it's full clarity it, on that now. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's interesting because I don't all the way hate him. Like I love right. who he was. Right. You know? Right. Right. Like, well, you I, know, you saw it. Essence. Yeah. 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 Like who he was was a beautiful person, you know. Yeah. And it got destroyed by self-loathing and by a society that's really backwards with our values, you know. And yeah. that isn't is not about acceptance, you know. So that's like what astrology is all about, right? Going back to the beginning, it's like acceptance. How do we accept each other with more objective compassion? If Richard Spencer were accepted by his society, by his parents, we grew up in Dallas, yeah. Texas, you know, he would not have become this hateful person, you know, whose ideologies have led to like a lot of destruction and death at this point. You know, God, that's so true. Yeah. Wow. That is incredible. Uh, yeah. yeah, very cool. I mean, Juliana, thank you so much. This has been like the best. I really, really appreciate it, especially on your birthday. Uh, uh what, thank you. what does that make you? What does that make you a Virgo? Yeah, I'm oh. a Virgo with an Aquarius moon, so a nerdy cosmic <laughs> detail-oriented nerdy dark. cosmic detail-oriented <laughs> dork. Okay, that's good. That's a good. That's a good qualities. Uh, well, that's fucking cool. I thank you so much. Uh, I'm gonna let you go on your birthday, but th- uh, this was really, really cool, and uh, I appreciate your time. If there's anything else you want to plug i mean i know we said that what's the, what's the name of your book oh, again yeah. the, my, uh, my book is called the stars within you a modern guide to astrology and i have an instagram ethereal culture and a website etherealculture.com where i post things about the astrology of the month and the new moon and the full moon and just spiritual inspiration and art and things i love so very cool uh all of you go to that do that buy her book and uh yeah thanks so much again i really appreciate it and uh have a great rest of your birthday thank you okay bye